0: Welcome to Women Read Scripture. I'm Drew Huffaker. I'm
1: Mariana Richardson.
0: And we're so glad that you could be here with us today. We are going to be studying 2 Nephi chapters 20 through 25. And in these chapters, Isaiah will be giving us some pretty strong warnings, and he will also be giving us some wonderful messages of joy and hope. So we want to just be open and ready for all of these messages and pay particular attention to the ones that will be shared with us that help us to lift our hearts and rejoice. He's going to be talking again about the gathering of Israel, about the coming of the Messiah, and the peace that will be promised to the righteous.
1: Well, let's start with peace, because we need peace. (laughs) So I think that's a really positive way to start. And it's interesting here in chapter 21, we do have uh, a beautiful vision of the millennial day and how peaceful it will be. And a matter of fact, I'm, I'm looking at verses six through nine. It says, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and fatling together and a little child shall lead them and then going to eight, and the sucking child shall play on the whole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mount, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Now, um what it was interesting to think of an asp. An asp is a very venomous snake. And if you remember, you know, Cleopatra, that's how she died, was with all the asps, you know biting her but the cockatrice was interesting because it too is a venomous snake but um historically it is I think of Harry Potter and the the basilisk it's actually a basilisk which can kill by just the gaze what? just gazing into their eyes and so um I think that's really interesting so for for thousands of years, this idea of the cockatrice or the, the basilisk has been part of mythology. And I think when we look at that, basically the uh, weaned child shall put his hand on the den so that realize so that it can't even come up and look in our eyes. Hmm. So it can't even come up and destroy us. And then the sucking child shall play on the hole of the ass because they're not worried about it anymore. You know, the asp's not going to hurt them. So I love that. What is the difference though, between finding peace that is described here and then being a peacemaker? That's a big difference.
0: One, I think you are finding peace. You have to, it already exists and you find it. Becoming a peacemaker is you make peace. Sometimes in stressful situations, you can find a way to be a calming influence to those around you. So that's the way I look at it.
1: I think it's pretty powerful that we have a prophet today that is trying to teach us about how to be a peacemaker.
0: Yes, President Nelson shared some beautiful words with us in his general conference address for April, 2023. His talk was called, Dear Brothers and Sisters, How We Treat Each Other Really Matters. How we speak to and about others at home, at church, at work, and online really matters. Today I'm asking us to interact with others in a higher, holier way. Please listen carefully. If there is anything virtuous, lovely, or of good report or praiseworthy that we can say about another person, whether to his face or behind her back, That should be our standard of communication, and I love that he brings that up. That even in someone's absence, you can be in a situation where people are talking about, "Well, I can't believe they did that," or you know, are just kind of giving someone a hard time, even when they're not in the room. I think that we need to have that higher, holier way where we lift and build and give people a little bit of mercy.
1: Oh, I in their struggles. One hundred percent.
0: I would hope people would do the same thing for me. And so I I love that, that we need to have that holier way of communicating face-to-face and even when we are not in the presence of those people that we're talking
1: about. So the other thought that came into my mind was the people after the Savior came in the Book of Mormon in Fourth Nephi. And I was reading how they lived in peace, because that's what, Isaiah saw us living in peace. And so what does that look like? And we have this great description of what it looks like. And I don't know about you, but I'm really excited (laughs) for that time. Just sounds so wonderful. He says, and it came to pass that there was no contention in the land because of the love of God, which did dwell in the hearts of the people. So you're not going to backbite and gossip and do all those things. And there was no envying, strifes, tumults, whoredoms, lyings, murders, any manner of lasciviousness. And surely there could not be a happier people among all the people who had been created by the hand of God. And there were no robbers, murderers, neither were there Lamanites, nor any manner of ites, but they were in one, the children of Christ and heirs to the kingdom of God. And how blessed were they. I just love that to think about how the savior became the center of their lives. And because the savior was the center of their lives, everything else just fell into place. You know, people were not contentious, they were happy, they were loving, we were all one big happy family <laughs>
0: and there was never a more happier people when we were all getting along and isn't that true if you're in your own home and one person is grumpy oh, it it is it kind of spreads like a virus throughout the family and if everyone is happy what a wonderful blissful place that is to be
1: oh definitely i look
0: forward to those times
1: i can't wait for the whole <laughs> world to be like a happy home yes that's a great. great that's great Go ahead.
0: So as we move forward in our uh, discussion today, let's go to 2 Nephi chapter 21 verses 9 through 12. And the important thing to remember about 2 Nephi 21 is it's similar to Isaiah 11 in the Bible. And when the angel Moroni came and visited Joseph Smith, this is one of the chapters that was quoted to him. And he said that it was about to be fulfilled. So let's look in Joseph Smith History, chapter 1, verse 40. It says, in addition to these, he quoted the 11th chapter of Isaiah, saying that it was about to be fulfilled. He quoted also the third chapter of Acts, 22nd and 23rd verses, precisely as they stand in the New Testament. He said that our prophet was Christ, but the day had not come when they who would not hear his voice should be cut off from among the people, but soon would come." So what is he talking about? What is about to happen? And it's something that we've been talking about in the last few lessons that we've discussed, and that is the coming forth of the gathering of Israel. And we all have a very vital role to play in the gathering, don't we?
1: We do, and especially as women. I think sometimes we, you know, we think that might be a, a man's job, but it's not. It's our job as well. And a matter of fact, President Nelson in 2018 October conference talked specifically to the women and asked us to be very much a part of this gathering. He gave us four invitations that he wanted us to do. And I know it's been five years <laughs> since these invitations happened, but hopefully we can reinstitute them into our lives. The first one is he invited us to do a 10 day social media fast. And now I can remember doing it <laughs> five years ago, but I think it would be good for us to do it again, so. Yeah, it wasn't that interesting?
0: So what did you find when you gave up social media for a few days?
1: Well, President Nelson does talk about how sometimes social media brings negative thoughts negative thoughts about ourselves, but also negative thoughts about others. And that in order to gather Israel, we have to be happy. We (laughs) need to be rejoicing. And social media sometimes brings us down.
0: Well, and the thing that I noticed, because I did it, all of our family did that social media fast. It was interesting because when we first wake up, we, at least I, look at my phone for one to turn off the alarm that's going off. But then sometimes you look, did somebody leave a message? Do, is what, What's the calendar for the day? And then you get sucked into that feed and looking at social media and immediately you're drawn kind of to the world a little bit. And I thought it was interesting when we didn't have that distraction, how much more focused I was on the Lord and thinking about things differently in my life.
1: Oh, I love that. The second invitation was to read the Book of Mormon. Now, we're doing that, which is wonderful. <laughs> so keep it up, keep it up throughout the entire year. Third is to establish a pattern of regular temple attendance. And I know we talked a lot about that last week, but hopefully we'll continue doing that as well. And then fourth, he asks us to participate fully in Relief Society. Now, I why do you think he had that fourth invitation? I think we need to, we need sisters.
0: We need other women in our lives. And I think it gives us strength in numbers. We also like to work together for common goals and we are more aware of the needs of those around us. And it just helps us, it's just a wonderful community of sisters that can help lift and and encourage each other.
1: I think so too. I know one thing we would teach our missionaries that you needed to be converted both spiritually but also socially. And that sounds kind of funny, but in order for someone to really feel like they're a part of the church, they need to have that social contact as well. Well, President Nelson ended this beautiful talk by saying, my dear sisters, we need you. We need your strength, your conversion, your conviction, your ability to lead, your wisdom and your voices. We simply cannot gather Israel without you. So let's remember that. I mean, a prophet of the Lord has said, we we need to help in this great gathering. And it's a wonderful opportunity for us to do so. And it's fun. It's not not a work, it's a joy.
0: So yes, I love that there's so many fun things that we can do to help gather Israel. And as I was thinking about it, on the way over here, I was thinking, like you said, we can we can use social media though in positive ways. We can po- post quotes about the Savior Jesus Christ, or pictures or images of Him. So as people are going through their feeds, they get that little bits, those little bits of inspiration. We can go to the temple. We can express feelings of gratitude to those around us so that they understand that we realize where our blessings come from. It's not our own doing. It comes from the Lord. We can serve those around us and love those around us. Those are all ways that we can help to build and gather Israel. Anything that we can do to encourage people on their way back to Jesus Christ and to make those. We can also pray for each other, invite others to pray with us. If there's somebody who's really sick in our family, if somebody has a special challenge that they're going to have to face. I think it's wonderful to have a community of people that will, friends that will pray for each other and help each other along that path. Um, We can look for ways to lift those who are sad around us. And we can also try to emanate the light of Christ in our own life, so people can see the joy of living the gospel. And so hopefully we'll, people will see something different in us and have questions and want to know more.
1: Well, you know, I wanted to just make a mention. You talked about how we can pray for each other, but we need to let our friends and people know when we need those prayers. And I think um, sometimes we think, oh, well, the Lord, you know, he's going to tell people that I need help. And I think the Lord also expects us to tell people if we need help. And so, you know, that, that goes back to the pride that we were talking about last week, how sometimes it's, it, you have to be humble to ask for help and ask for prayers. But the Lord wants us to have those. That's part of being part of the community of Christ, right. helping each other
0: and to lift each other's burdens. I know I felt really badly a few weeks ago. I had a daughter who had been deathly sick all week and I didn't even know. And as a mom, it made me feel sad because you want to try to help lift the burdens of other people and we need to be open and it doesn't show weakness. It It shows our humanity that we just need help too. And we can be there to support each other on both sides.
1: Well, and I also wanted to mention something else we can do together Zion is, doing our family history work and being very much a part of that. And so, I, I, are you doing a lot of family history work?
0: So, um, my children get a little frustrated with me by how much family history work I do sometimes. That uh, is great, <laughs> that's a good frustration. Well, because but you have to be careful. You have to temper your life in always You can't be overly zealous in one area and neglect other things. But as a new, as a convert to the church, I remember when I received my patriarchal blessing and it said, one of the greatest things that I will do in this life is genealogy, which I didn't even know what that word meant. I was 16 years old. And I asked my friends, what is genealogy? And they said, oh, that's what old people do. (laughs) And I thought, oh great, this is my life calling to do genealogy. But there is so much the spirit can be felt so strongly as you are looking for people. And I have literally felt called when it's two in the morning and I'm still looking and entering names that I cannot go to bed. There's a few more people that are waiting for me. And it's a very powerful piece of my life family history, and not only just family history, but to make sure that their temple work is getting done. So I. That's a very precious
1: part of my life. So the gathering of Israel happens both here, but also as we do family history work, we are gathering Israel as well, as we do the temple work for those who have passed before. So we can do it on both sides of the veil, which (laughs) is so fun. How about you? Oh, I I love temple work, I do. And I think sometimes we think, oh, all my temple work has been done. Those of us that have been members of the church for generations, But I'm amazed at how many, now that we can go into other lines, how many cousins and fourth and fifth cousins (laughs) there still need to have their work done. So it is definitely a wonderful way to gather Zion.
0: And I love Heavenly Father's plan that we, as we're gathering people on the other side of the veil and doing their temple ordinances for them, it makes us have to go back and remember our, our own. And if it's just, if it was just the process of submitting names and somebody else would do it, that's different. But it makes us want to have that opportunity to go back to the temple more and more often. So I love that.
1: Well, and I've seen that with my own daughter who, um, you know, she wasn't that interested, but she was in Scotland and found the little tiny village where our ancestors lived. And as she went to this you know, thousand year old church with the um, you know all all of the graves that had our name on it, you know, family mm-hmm. names on it. And having experiences like that just helps you to feel that tie that is real. That is real. That's wonderful.
0: <laughs> we might be cousins because we have family from Scotland too. <laughs> okay. Well no, I'll I have
1: a redhead. I have a redhead just like you. So no, very right. well. Very well could be. Um, As we move forward, I do want to just mention, too, this idea of, we talked last time about the vineyard, but we also have a wonderful part here about the roots and the branch and the stem. And so I wanted to go here to 21, verses 1 and 2. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of the roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And so we talked last time a little bit about the vineyard and understanding that. But here we have another kind of an understanding of the stem and then the branch that's growing out of the roots. And I know last time you talked a little bit about how you have this amazing orchard, <laughs> and I was wondering if you, you know, had had experiences with roots and branches and and it's these kinds of feelings too.
0: Yes, and the interesting thing, yes, we love our orchard, but they are a lot of work, and you have to do a lot of pruning. And when the when the Savior talks about He prunes His vineyard and He digs about it. They are a lot of work, but you can enjoy precious fruit that comes from it. I think my husband's a little obsessed with peach trees. We have over 40 peach trees. Oh, I love
1: peaches! I'm <laughs> going
0: to have to remember that. Peach I'll bring some to you. Yes, that'd would be great. It. But yes, and by, um, you know, if you plant a peach tree, what are you going to get?
1: Peaches, hopefully. Peaches. Yeah.
0: And if you plant an apple tree, you're going to hopefully get apples. And I think it's interesting that we have to pay attention to whose roots we're connected to. Exactly. Because if we're attached to Satan, we are going to see the fruits and the outcomes in our life of following him and being letting him be a part of our lives that we shouldn't. And if we're attached to Christ and our roots are coming from that firm foundation, then we can enjoy happiness and we can have blessings and, peace and all the wonderful things that come from Jesus Christ.
1: Well, the Savior, as the perfect husbandman, he knows exactly which branches are going to bear fruit and which ones aren't. And if we go to verse four, he says, But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. So we can know that he will also pick which branches are fruitful and it really doesn't matter. We can't really judge. We don't know which ones because he's looking at the heart of the branch. He's looking inside to see which one is really bringing the fruit that he wants. And so I love that idea that he is the righteous judge and that he will be the one that judges.
0: And we have to be careful not to judge others because we don't know where people have come from. We don't know the difficulties and challenges they have, and we should just pray for them and just put it in the Lord's hands that he will take care of it and he will be the righteous judge. He'll give us as much mercy as he can, and he will always beckon, and no matter what we've done in our lives, he calls us back. So it's never too late. Well, in this life, we can have that chance to repent and change.
1: I agree, and another thing to think about when we talk about the gathering, I know that all too often when we see someone, we might judge in our our minds and in our hearts saying, oh, that person doesn't look like someone who would want the gospel. And I had an interesting experience in Brazil where there was this young man who came into the church, you know, just interested. And oftentimes we would have the churches just open during the day and people would just wander in trying to see what this building was. And so this young man came in and he had, you know, tattoos and gauges in his ears and piercings all over his face. And when he walked in, I was wrong. I was not doing the right thing because the first thing that came into my mind was, oh no, this you know, this person's not gonna be interested in the gospel. Well, he was, and he changed completely physically. He looked completely different when I saw him a few months later, he was getting ready to go on a mission, wow. and I thought, okay, I judged wrongly. Here was a, a young man who his spirit was ready for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I didn't see it, but the Lord saw it.
0: Absolutely, and yeah, he his body might have been a reflection of things that had happened to him before that were still there and present, and that's what made us judge him but thank goodness that the Lord judges our hearts. And I think we should celebrate. If someone like that walks into church, we should think they're here and there's a reason why they want to learn more. They wanna see what things are all about. And that should be a wonderful invitation to have them there.
1: Well, one of the things that we talked about last week was symbols. And one of the, the main symbols for, for these uh, chapters that we're talking about is the symbol of Babylon. Babylon is talked over and over again, but it's also the destruction of Babylon is talked about. And if we go to chapter 23, I'm looking at 19 and 20, it says, and Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and think about what happened to them. Yeah. <laughs> Not good. It shall never be inhabited neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. Now, Babylon, when we think of the millennial day, if we think of spiritual Babylon, what's going to happen to spiritual Babylon when the Savior comes the second time? It'll be destroyed. It will be completely destroyed and no one will inhabit Babylon again. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I thought was interesting, in chapter 24, we have another symbol. When we think of the king of Babylon, who was destroyed. We also have another king of Babylon on earth today, and that's Satan, that's Lucifer. And so if we go to 24, 11 and 12, he's talking very specifically about you know doing this symbol of the king of Babylon, which is a king that truly was just, you know, he lost everything to Lucifer, who will also lose everything. Thy pomp is brought down to the grave. The noise of thy veils, vials, we (laughs) still haven't figured out how to say that word, is not heard. The worm is spread upon thee, and the worms cover thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Art thou cut down to the ground, which should weaken the nations. So yes, before the second coming of the Savior, Lucifer has weakened the nations, but, When the second coming comes, when spiritual Babylon is destroyed, Lucifer too will also be brought down, and he will also be destroyed.
0: And Christ will reign on the earth.
1: And Christ will reign on the earth, which will
0: be—that's the day of peace and joy that we're looking forward to, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I love that. Um, when we read, I I love that we've been reading so much the words of Isaiah, and he for sure tries to speak, it doesn't seem like it sometimes, but he tries to speak in words of plainness. In chapter 25, verse 20, he says, "'I have spoken plainly that ye cannot err. There is none other name given unto under heaven, save it be this Jesus Christ, of which I have spoken, whereby man can be saved.'" And we know that this is true. That we, have, we are saved through the wonderful gift of the atonement and gift of Jesus Christ. And we should be shouting that from the house talks. Oh, yes. Seriously.
1: Rejoicing.
0: And before that great millennial day when he comes. And one of the things Nephi wants us to do is to share our testimony with our children. Is that right?
1: Oh, definitely. Let's read in verse 23, but before we do, I wanted to also make a comment about Nephi and the spirit of prophecy that we talked about last time. In chapter 25, he initially talks about the spirit of prophecy, but we talked about last week about how that's also personal revelation. And in verse 19, he talks about personal revelation that he's gained about the Messiah and when he was going to come. And he says for according to the words of the prophet the messiah cometh in 600 years from the time that my father left jerusalem and according to the words of the prophets and also the word of the angel of god his name shall be jesus christ the son of god for me that is powerful because when we think of the second coming of the savior we too can have that same testimony as we strive for that spirit of prophecy that we've talked about before to have an understanding of what it means to prepare for the savior. So he also talks about how he wants to rejoice (laughs) over this knowledge. (laughs) And this is found in 23, and I'm gonna read 23 and 26. For we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do. We talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for remission of their sins. So we have to first gain that testimony ourselves, just like Nephi did. But after we gain that testimony, we must share it with our families.
0: Yes, and how are all the ways you like to share that message with your children. What are some ways that you have found in your family that
1: is meaningful? Well, it's hard because my children are all grown and gone. But one thing I do every week is I write a, an email to all my children and grandchildren. And usually it's a testimony where mm-hmm. I express a thought or, you know, my own testimony of the Savior or some scriptures. So, for me, it's sometimes when our children are far, far away, we are so blessed to have ways that we can still communicate our testimonies of the Savior.
0: And that's such a great idea, especially as our children move out and they've started families of their own. Are there things that you found when you were, your children were younger? What were some of the ways that you would teach them about Christ?
1: Well, I think family scripture study is so important. And I know we had. Um, lots of children. Our 22 children were, I mean, our 22, (laughs) it felt like within 22 years. I know. I wish we could have had 22 children, but our 12 children in 22 years, we had that big, you know, age span. And so we had to read scriptures multiple times in the morning, because we had, we we lived back East and then also in Seattle. And so they had early morning seminary. They didn't have the opportunity to have it during the day. And so they had to leave early, early in the morning, but my little ones would not be up at that time. So we read scriptures with them. And then we read scriptures with the elementary school children. And then I would do a completely different scripture study with my preschoolers. And so sometimes it means doing it multiple times a day, but we need to have daily scripture study as a family.
0: I think that's wonderful. And I'd never thought about that. I I wasn't smart enough to have it as separate scripture study sessions. We would just wrestle all of our kids. And there was a 12-year span. Our six children were born over those 12 years. And we would just, it was hard though, because you had to try to adapt the message to be simple enough for the younger ones, but deep enough for the older kids to get something out of it. But as I thought about other things that we can do, um, one of the things that we did is we loved
1: the scripture videos. Oh, the ones that we have now
0: Yes, fabulous. Yes. They are so amazing. Yes, they are. And it makes it come alive for them. Even as an Definitely. adult, I love to watch those videos. And they, the church has created videos for adults that look like they're regular people. And then they also have cartoon night, you know, cartoon characters telling the stories for really young children. But that is another way we can study the scriptures and teach them of Christ. We can also do other, a little bit more subtle, um, ways. There's different, different ways that we can teach them about Christ. And one of those ways I thought about is simply putting up pictures of him in our homes so that every day they go down the hall or they're going into the kitchen or family room and they can see that. And I think it's important to have a picture of the savior and of the temple in each of their bedrooms. So that's one of the I first so, things too. that they see. Um, we can also fill our homes with music, music that's inspiring, that has messages of Christ. So when they're eating breakfast or doing different things, they can hear that be- the beautiful words and truths of Christ. Um, Like you said, we can have family prayer together and make sure that that's meaningful, that we express our gratitude and our children hear us saying, Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the blessings and we know that you helped us when we needed this specific thing. We saw that and thank thee so much for helping us with that. And our kids learn to trust him and to want to pray. Um, in our conversations, we can share our love for Him and our experiences. One of the things I love about my family that's from the South, they are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but in the South in general, I love how openly people will say, praise the Lord. And they will say, you know, they are so thankful and willing at any time to speak of Christ. And I just think we can learn so much from that example to make it, everyone knows that we are believers and we want to point to him for all of our blessings. Um, I also think that we can live as disciples of Christ so others can see and learn of Christ through our examples. Like we said, attend the temple. And I think it's also important that our children see that we try to do our very best in our callings and not just see us busy but to take the time to explain to them why if we're taking dinner to someone who just came out of the hospital we can say how father wants us to take care of each other and this is an opportunity that we can take care of sister jones and so would you help me do that and then it's interesting how they will look at those opportunities completely different if they realize the why. And it's not just they're taking my dinner and my cookies that mom made, <laughs> but it's Agreed. it's an opportunity to serve and that the Lord's counting on
1: us to do that. Well, and we also need to do it with happiness. <laughs> you know, instead of like, well, we're doing it, we're complaining, I can't believe that I have to make this meal for somebody else. But um, I, I loved this so much in terms of uh, in October 2007, which I know was a while ago, but I just remember this talk so vividly, we had just s- sung as a congregation, W. W. Phelps' um, beautiful song, Now Let Us Rejoice. And the words are, Now let us rejoice in the day of salvation. No longer as strangers on earth need we roam. Good tidings are sounding to us and each nation. And then Elder Uchtdorf gave an amazing talk about have we not reason to rejoice? And he says, he asks us very specific questions and he acknowledges the fact that life can be hard, that sometimes when you're making a meal for someone, you don't feel like it, but that's not the point. The point here is how does this affect us as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? this idea of understanding that Christ is truly our savior. Are we living with apprehension, fear, and worry? Or have we, amidst all our challenges, not reason, have not reason to rejoice? Are we rejoicing? And I hope we are. I hope (laughs) we're rejoicing while we're serving. Yes.
0: And we find joy as we give to others. I love that thought that we've been taught that as we lose ourselves, to the service of others is kind of the way we find ourselves. If you're having trouble with self-esteem or feeling down, if you can look outward and find ways to love and serve other people, it does bring you joy. It keeps, it lifts your own burdens to try to help and lift others and to share the wonderful news of the gospel with others.
1: The other thing that I thought was really powerful was President Nelson in 2021. He said, nothing invites the spirit more than fixing your focus on Jesus Christ. Talk of Christ, rejoice in Christ, feast upon the words of Christ, and press forward with steadfastness in Christ. Make your Sabbath a delight as you worship him, partake of the sacrament and keep his day holy. So another thing we can do is rejoice in the Sabbath and rejoice in temple covenants too. I love that. Thank you for sharing. We know that Jesus
0: Christ is the light of the world. And we know that he has said and has promised that if he that followeth me shall not walk, walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus Christ is the way he's the truth and the light and the love of the world. And I pray that this week we invite you to share your love for him and be a light for others to see him through you. Sisters, we love you, we think you're wonderful, and we hope to see you again next time. Thank you.
1: Bye.